Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm honored to have on as our guest, Dr. Misty Richards. Dr. Richards is the Director of Infant Mental Health of the UCLA Maternal Mental Health Program. She is the co-founder and medical director of perinatal psychiatry for the Maternal Outpatient Mental Health Services Clinic in the Department of OB-GYN at UCLA, where she treats patients with perinatal mood disorders, anxiety, and psychosis, while educating the next generation about reproductive psychiatry. She's a child adult and reproductive psychiatrist at UCLA who holds a joint appointment in the Division of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. She's double board certified in child, adolescent, and adult psychiatry and specializes in infant mental health with the recent completion of the NAPA Parent-Infant Mental Health Fellowship. Today, we talk about the anthropological term matrescence, the process of becoming a mother, as well as postpartum blues and postpartum depression. Welcome, Dr. Richards. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So I am so interested in having you on. I've known you for a long time, but I recently heard you give a lecture through UCLA about some work that you do at UCLA with maternal and women's mental health, as well as this idea of kind of this idea of matrescence, which we'll talk about. Right. Yes. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Happy to tell you more. Yeah. So maybe just tell us a little bit about the work you do at UCLA and the programs and resources that are available to people. Absolutely. So I am a reproductive psychiatrist. I'm also a child psychiatrist. So I like to marry those two things together. I specialize in infant mental health, which really is code for attachment. And there are two programs at UCLA that I'm a part of. One is our kind of maternal mental health partial hospitalization program as well as the intensive outpatient program. That's kind of one program. And the other program is a collaborative care clinic in the Department of OB-GYN. So that program is about three years old. And really, it's meant to serve as like a psychiatric urgent care for women with perinatal mood disorders. And as you're saying all this, I'm thinking when I was a resident at UCLA, these types of programs, we had a women's mental health clinic, women's reproductive clinic, but these programs are just, it's incredible that these are options now for people. Yeah. You know, if you really think about it in the country, how many partial hospitalization programs do we have for this population? There are 24 in the entire country. So UCLA obviously is one of the sites, but there aren't many in California. And in terms of this other model, which is a collaborative care model, I really feel it's the way of the future. So it's embedding a psychiatrist in kind of a primary care setting. In this case, it's the OB-GYN setting because these patients just cannot wait the four to five months to see a reproductive psychiatrist. And it's very hard to, to make that affordable for them. So again, we take all insurances and the idea is to stabilize, to help the person feel better and then to help connect them to more permanent psychiatric care in the community. Well, let's talk about this kind of tender, vulnerable time, the postpartum period. And I love how you approach it and think about it and talk with moms about it. And I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about it. Oh, yes. Very, very near and dear to my heart. I believe that just education is paramount. 
Because during this time, I mean, gosh, think about it when you're pregnant and then you give birth, already it is a challenging and exciting and terrifying experience all rolled into one. So then it gets us back to this term matrescence. And what does that really mean? People recognize the word adolescence. People recognize the angst that comes with those adolescent years, those pictures we all try to burn and hide, and just really the struggle of becoming an adult. So there's also a similar process, though less angsty, becoming a mother, and that is called matrescence. And really, it's kind of this push and pull concept of you know forming this identity of becoming a mother. It's kind of this push, really, to become this nurturing creature, this nurturing being to your child. And then also trying to hold on at the same time to your identity from before, what you really liked about yourself and really trying to find a compromise in the middle. It is something that is not to be pathologized. You won't find it in the DSM. It's not something to write down in a note, but it is something that you really talk about as a process of becoming. Right. It's a human experience. Right. Kind of, I feel like when you say that word and you you name it as matrescence, at least with my patients, there's just a sigh. There's a relief that comes with talking about what they're experiencing because it's a known entity. So they're not the only people that are kind of struggling kind of with this process. I also think about new moms during pregnancy have this expectation or women who are about to have a baby, right? This expectation of how they're going to be as a parent. And it's almost kind of, it's inevitable that that ideal version of a mother of what they expect to be often just is different in reality. Oh yes. This kind of fall from grace or this fantasy about how you are going to be as a mother. There's actually a term. So it's called ghosts in the nursery. And this is from Selma Freiberg and famous psychoanalyst who talked about what you take with you in your role as becoming a mother So what ghosts are you bringing into your nursery with your new baby? And a lot of this comes from just thinking about the parts that you really enjoyed about being parented and the parts that really felt dismissive or not so good for you. And so what are you going to take from your childhood, from your experience of being parented into your role as parent, as mother, while you're forming this new identity, while going through a massive hormonal shift? And so how to make it feel, you know, like a process that is becoming and you can accept yourself and you can have grace while also understanding, gosh, there's so much room for being imperfect and almost embracing that. Hmm. Also curious, does this term apply to non-birthing parents? Yeah. So when you say non-birthing, you mean like fathers, like fathers, partners who did not carry the child parents who become parents after using a surrogate. Yes. So this is, matrescence was coined in 1973 by someone named Dana Raphael, and it was specific to mothers, but you'll see, this is an anthropological term. So really this is, we're borrowing from anthropology. And this has been studied just in general about parenthood, especially, gosh, I'd say in the past 20 years, I think we've been really open to new concepts of this identity as parent. And really, I love that we are embracing just new ideas as opposed to sticking with, it's just a mother, it's just a father, and this is how the nuclear family exists. So I will say that in anthropology, they're making advances pretty dang quickly. And they've done this, I would say, in the past 20 years. I would say in psychiatry, 
matrescence isn't formally recognized in the DSM. It's not formally taught in most training programs. Most people, when you say that word in the mental health setting, they're curious. They've never heard the word. So it is very new. But when you say it to a patient, and I encourage everybody who's in the position to do so, I think there's some relief that comes with it. And it can be applied certainly to anybody who's becoming a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think about patients that I deal with that other people have, have worked with just normalizing an experience that someone's having or a struggle that they're going through and for them to understand that other people have had this experience as well can be so therapeutic. Oh my goodness. There is so much relief and I'll say that you, I see most patients usually around kind of six weeks postpartum. And as we all know, you have this hormonal crash that happens the first two to three days postpartum. And really postpartum blues, 80% of women are going to experience that, which is four out of five women. And it's almost like a rite of passage. And it's not pathologized. Again, that is not something that we're saying, hey, you need to be treated for this. But if it crosses that line and continues on, which the arbitrary line in the sand is a month, but we all know as clinicians, it's messier than that. Then it becomes this kind of major depressive disorder with peripartum onset. And once it crosses that line and a woman is feeling just worse and going in a direction that feels probably very scary to them, I think naming the process of matrescence while also being able to say, hey, this is what just happened to your body right? And these these are some things you may be grappling with. Let's figure out where you are in this whole process and where we can start with you. And it's going to be unique to each woman in their story. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was going to be my next question. Like where does matrescence end and postpartum blues, postpartum depression then begin? Or yeah. do they just exist together? You know, it's funny that you mentioned this because I just saw a woman yesterday who was three days postpartum, three days and weepy and really scared about harming the baby and the baby being so fragile. What do I do? It's not coming to me naturally. And it was just interesting to talk to her and listen to her process because there was such fear, a lot of pressure that this should be something I know. Like once I give birth, my DNA should release proteins that are going to tell me, ah, you are a mother. It's all going to be easy. And it's really, it's a beautiful thing to be able to kind of do some reality testing in the most gentle way possible to say this is, it's a struggle. And this is why, like, I don't think anybody can talk about adolescence and say, no problem, became an adult, weren't any hiccups, doesn't happen. Same thing with matrescence. Everybody's got their hiccups. But I think the most important thing is to, to name it and say, this is a normal process, you know, this rite of passage, same with postpartum blues. What is not quote, so normal or something that can be really hard and you can't white knuckle through is the classic term postpartum depression. And I think what I hear most often from women who are suffering from postpartum depression is most people told me this is normal and that it'll be fine. And so I'm being very careful here about differentiating between these kind of three terms that we're talking about, which is postpartum blues, matrescence, and then postpartum depression. 
Right. Yeah, it is this this tricky distinction between the three. And I think just bottom line, if there's any concern about functioning or being able to care for someone's child, you just need to be able to see a, a mental health provider as soon as possible to help determine, is this something we need to be concerned about? Is this something that we need to make a real intervention for? And I mean, I know we started off with our conversation in terms of the resources available. The, the people who do take part in the, the intensive programs at UCLA do need that added support because it's important for them to have that support in order to function. 100%. I think these three different settings are kind of three different places. The partial program and the intensive outpatient program, our mom's clinic in the department of OB-GYN. And then we kind of have the women's life clinic, which you spoke about earlier. They all have different patient populations that we're serving based on kind of severity and duration of symptoms. And I think between the three, We're doing a pretty good job, always could do better with trying to help our patients as early as possible. I think that's probably one of the most important things in the postpartum. I think the more that you struggle alone, the more isolated you feel, especially during COVID, it it can just make the experience just a hard one, really hard one. Right. And I mean, thinking about, I mean, we're talking about outpatient programs, intensive programs, but maybe rewinding even before that, I was starting to think about groups, right? That a lot of new moms gravitate and are interested in moms groups as a way, I think I'm assuming that these groups are very helpful in everyone kind of sharing experiences of, oh, this is a transition that's hard. And kind of, it makes, in some ways normalizes the general struggles of new motherhood or new parenthood. I agree. I think people are looking for a community and I'm going to go back to COVID as well and say, gosh, I think, you know, People are are feeling isolated, feeling alone. We know one of the risk factors for postpartum depression is support, like feeling unsupported, feeling alone. So COVID has only pressurized that. So people are looking for their community, people that can share in their struggles and their triumphs. We run a mom's group here at UCLA. It's about seven women. And it's a beautiful thing to see that first meeting going around the circle. And as each woman tells her story, it's almost giving the next woman permission to tell their story in a way that feels authentic to them. There's this kind of settling that happens and gelling that happens. And you can feel that maybe it's, this is a secret ingredient of motherhood. Also makes me think that, I mean, some people that I've seen don't always take to group sometimes because they feel that, okay, I'm not, look how well everyone else is doing, right? They compare themselves maybe to the way other moms are doing. And so I, it is kind of tricky sometimes too, but the hope is that people are honest and want to share those sorts of things, share their vulnerabilities in these groups as much as they feel comfortable doing so. You know, I think I maybe have a unique case here because all of the women in our group that we lead have been diagnosed with postpartum depression. So you're absolutely right. In this setting, there is a vulnerability kind of coming in, maybe outside of the setting and kind of in the community, there is this pressure to feel like you, you have to be polished and you have to have all the answers because that's what, I don't know if people use Facebook, but it's what Instagram shows us. And so there's this expectation, right? Of being the perfect parent. And it's just something I wish I could just blow up. Well, I really appreciate you talking with me about this concept and also just a bit more about 
postpartum blues and postpartum depression. I think for the listener, I'll try to have um, some information about programs at UCLA, as well as a good article about matrescence, if they're interested in learning a bit more about it. That would be so great. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Any parting words for the listener before we say goodbye? Ah. I think the most important thing is that, you know, we realize that this is a process of becoming a mother and that a process takes time. So, to, you know, show ourselves grace in this process, you know, and really try to find your like-minded community. It's the most important thing. Okay. Well, thanks for being on. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.